Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 50. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday. Steelers Nation, as the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready to take on the Cleveland Browns this Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And Dave, I asked this last time. I'll ask it again. Where to begin with today? The AFC North has been turned upside down with injuries. Just put every Steeler in a bubble, it feels like, for this game we got a lot to talk about today, my man. Yeah, we do. Happy Friday to you and the listeners. And, you know, I, I couldn't help but thinking back, you know, before the season starts and all, we're, we're asked to talk about this, that, and the other predictions and all like that. And uh, I think at some point we usually say, you know, you never know. Look, I tried to preview the tackles ahead of the season that TJ Watt was going to face. <laughs> and that, that's you want to talk about something going evergreen quick, as, as as the kids like to say. You just never know what twists and turns are going to happen uh, along the season with injuries. And Lord knows the Steelers have had their share of injuries. And now uh, we see some very impactful injuries this past week again, you know, in the AFC North here that have really shaken things up at this point. The Steelers are, you know, yeah, they lost back-to-back, you know, back-to-back week, weeks. They have lost inside linebackers for the season and all, but they're getting healthy in other aspects of this thing. Uh, it seems like the worm has kind of turned again. And, man, going into this game on, on, on Sunday against the Browns, Alex, I mean, this, you know, you, you would agree this is another winnable game at this point for the Steelers. And man, if they come out of Sunday with a win against the Browns, barring another kick, you know, uh, catastrophe, you know, uh, injury wise here, you really have to like the chances of this team to make the playoffs. Sure. You never root for injuries, but the lanes are opening up for Pittsburgh to really, you know, take control of uh, playoff Births and being in contention. Of course, they're in contention right now, but really starting to take some serious steps towards the back half of the season to lock up that spot or be in firm control. And so we'll talk about Pittsburgh and their injuries, which are, they're dealing with multiple in a moment. But because we let off the show with it, have to talk about what happened last night. Of course, the Ravens beating the Bengals 34 to 20, but that almost feels like a side story to everything else that occurred for the Ravens losing tight end Mark Andrews to what seems like a season-ending ankle injury, according to head coach um, John Harbaugh. He got tackled, that hip drop tackle by Logan Wilson uh, early in the first quarter. And then for the Bengals, quarterback Joe Burrow with a right wrist sprain, according to Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. What his status will be going forward for the Steelers-Bengals game next Sunday, we don't know, but it looked painful, uh, that injury that Joe Burrow suffered. And so if he can't go... It'll likely be Jake Browning. And so Pittsburgh in AFC North critical games could face, will face, we know this, Dorian Thompson Robinson on Sunday, and then potentially face Jake Browning the week after that. Boy, you want to talk about not seeing that coming. I had no idea that on uh, uh, the start of the season, I didn't have on my bingo card watching uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, uh, tape on a Friday night of, of week 11. And then I might have to turn around and watch Jake Browning, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, tape 
next week there. So yeah, huge, huge development uh, in 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 the AFC North. Man, Logan Wilson was wrecking people. <laughs> yeah, you get a free haircut on your next injury. Three of them last night. Yeah, is that a hat trick in in in, in the NFL? The way he was crushing people because uh, Odell Beckham Jr. had to leave that game with a shoulder injury, thanks to Logan Wilson. But I mean, that's a whole nother discussion uh, uh, all together. There, all eyes obviously will be on what happens with this Joe Burrow thing. But you know, I, you know, I I know uh, Zach Taylor said it's you know looks like a wrist sprain or something like that. It sure seems like it might be worse than that. And I. Look, at worst, it it it, or at best, it looks like he's going to you know potentially miss the game against the Steelers, and you know you you don't want to look ahead in this thing, but you know going into that game last night, the thought in my head is, man, if the if if the Bengals can somehow upset the the the, the Ravens in their house on Thursday night, and then get that long week and get a guy like T uh, T Higgins back who they didn't have in that game last night. Think things are going to be looking up for the, you know, that's in other words, that was going to be looking at like a hard test for the Steelers in week 12. But, you know, mm-hmm. if they don't have Joe Burrow and have to start a young quarter quarterback, uh, uh, uh you, you know, in, in, in Jake Browning, that looks a lot more daunting. And now look, they're five and five. The Bengals are, they're zero and three in the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not looking great. And then obviously the, the thing with the Ravens and, and Mark Andrews, uh, what a big part of the offense that is. Now they do have some tight ends over there. So I think, you know, obviously as long as they have, uh, 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 Lamar Jackson, all they'll, they'll be in good shape and all, but uh, things really shifted with those two teams. And then back to the Browns, we have a lot to talk about with them as well. Yeah, we do, and I'll just say big picture, and we'll talk about it more throughout this show, throughout next week, despite facing backup young quarterbacks, I still expect these games to be close because of Pittsburgh's offense and just the nature of AFC North battles. They're always close. They're always down to the wire, really, no matter who is starting, who's playing. It's just kind of the way the division seems to go, and the division has still been as close as any in the NFL this season. But let's bring it to Pittsburgh here for a second to talk about their injury report from Thursday Three players not practicing who did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. That's safety Keanu Neal, safety Minka Fitzpatrick, those tackle Montrevious Adams. Limited was Kim Hayward with the groin. I think they're just being super cautious with him. I expect him to play returning in full uh, wide receiver Deontay Johnson and Pat Frymuth, who still is on IR, that window opening up to return. He was limited Wednesday, full on Thursday. And so assuming he's good today, no setback. There won't be an official game status on him because he's still on IR but it's looking very much like he's going to play and return Sunday against Cleveland. Yeah, I think the uh, the three to watch there are, and it's not looking great when it comes to Minka and Montrevious, and then uh, Keanu Neal with the, with that rib. It's it's not sounding too great, especially when you when 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 you know the the the, the talk right now is that. You know, Trent Thompson probably going to see him uh, back on this roster over the weekend, whether it's on the 53 or whether it's through through an elevation and and probably going to see. I I, I think didn't he even say that he thinks he's going to start uh, right. at, at, at this point, would lead, which, which would lead you to believe that at least one, you know, that Minka's not going to be there and probably. Uh, you know, it's not looking great for Neil as well, too. So I think the probably the real mystery on the injury report as we get into Friday here might be what happens with 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 Keanu Neal. But it does sound like, you know, Thompson, 
at least right now, is going to, to, to play or at very least see a lot of playing time uh, in this game overall. As far as everybody else on the injury report, it, you know, they're probably going to shake out with, with uh, none of those guys receiving status designations. And once again, I would expect Minka and Montrevious Adams to be ruled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. I think we got to talk about that some more, all the defensive injuries for as much credit as Pittsburgh's defense has gotten, and rightfully so, to lose Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander, and to be down potentially looking more likely than not, Neil and Fitzpatrick, to have a safety duo of DeMonte Casey and likely Trenton Thompson. Uh, the, the Steelers defense, you know, how many how many blows can they take before you kind of see some of the fractures in that? And that's a, that's a big concern I have right now. Yeah, I think the only saving grace in all of this is you're, you're facing a, a, a younger quarterback, uh, you know, the, a rookie quarterback. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and your edge guys are healthy. And if they can dominate, that's going to take some right. more pressure off the uh, coverage end. Right. And as we'll talk about later in the show, you know, the the, the, the Browns are beat up at tackle and all mm-hmm. uh, on top of it. But, you know, when you look at Alex, have your have your pencil sharpened, uh, because I, I think you got to be busy with some charting, trying to figure out who's in and and who's out. It, it certainly does sound like we're going to see. Uh, a pretty good rotation there at inside linebacker, right? With the Landon Roberts, with Mark Robinson, with, with Mikael Walker. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, Tariq Carpenter, I think is going to be active for this game. I'm not, not sure we're going to see very much of him barring knock on wood, uh, more injuries there, but it is going to be interesting to see, you know, how they rotate these inside linebackers who gets a lion's share down distance. You obviously got an athletic quarterback in DTR. Uh, so I, I, you know, once again, all, all I think that I know at this point is that you're going to see Walker Roberts and Robinson all see playing time in this game. And obviously, as we mentioned, Trenton Thompson probably going to see. I just It's going to be interesting to see the minutia of, mm. of, of, of how that plays out on the field. So you don't have any sense in terms of how they'll rotate? Could Walker be used in more passing downs? I think Roberts, honestly, may be the all-situations linebacker in this game, just for the communication aspect. Ideally, you don't want to play him in dime, but this is a team that played Robert Spillane in dime, who's not the most athletic, probably more athletic than Roberts, but not not Ryan Chazier running out there last year. They took him off, or they took you know Bush and Jack off the field for Spillane because they value the communication, the blitzing aspect. I think it's going to be a similar calculation with Roberts where communication is paramount. It's first and foremost, and so we're going to sacrifice some of the athleticism for guys that can, you know, communicate, make sure we're all on the same page, especially with a secondary that's got injuries and losing some veterans at safety. I think it also plays into your hand that we would expect the Browns to try to establish the run and run a lot in this game. Uh, on top of it, and obviously, Landon Roberts is a downhill uh, guy. Now, look, the Browns could surprise you and come out and try to throw the football and get get a guy like Roberts, you know, isolated. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think predominantly, yeah, you're going to see uh, Roberts out there. But what happens if you know when you get into some of these sub packages uh, from there on out? Do you want Robinson? You know, uh, uh, who who do you want to maybe be a coverage linebacker? is that where Walker comes in? You know, the, I, that's the minutia that I'm interested sure. to see. see. My, my guess is no, because I think someone made a comment, either Austin or a player that you know, they, they're always going to pair Walker with somebody that we're going to put him out there by himself. And that would lend yourself to believe it won't be dying where he'd be the only off ball linebacker out there. So again, 
ideally you don't want to land a Roberts in, in your dime packages, but right. from a communication aspect, that's the most valuable thing. Again, I, I made this point on Twitter or, or an, art, an article. Whenever I, the, the two touchdowns Pittsburgh allowed Sunday against Green Bay, the first one came the play after Alexander got hurt. The other one came the one snap Roberts did not play after Alexander got hurt. It was a dime package play with Robinson out there. And so you have a pretty clear correlation between change of communication, different people out there and touchdowns. So that has to be the most important thing is the communication aspect. So I think Roberts will probably be in all situations type of guy. And they're going to just rotate a guy like Walker in just to probably lessen the load on somebody like Mark Robinson. So that guy's not responsible for playing, you know, hundred percent of the snaps whenever he's been a backup for most of the, uh, the season. So, uh, you know, in base, you're you're expecting a lot of Robinson and Roberts. I do. Yeah, I think in nickel, maybe you see some Walker rotate in a little bit. It's probably my my guess right now. And then obviously, uh, uh, Walker uh, will will help out on on special teams along with uh, along with uh, Carpenter. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. I think Carpenter will be a core guy there. I don't know if Walker will do a ton, but could pick up some playing time there for sure. All right. Uh, how how many? If you had to guess an over or under a snaps for a guy like Walker in this game, barring injury, what, what would it look like? Eight? Seven? Uh, ten? No, I think it'll be more than that. I don't know exactly. It depends on, obviously, the number of snaps total there is to absorb. I, I think he'll play maybe a third or so. He's, I mean, he's got experience. He was a you know heavy, heavy snap player for right. the Falcons Thou- last year. A thousand, <laughs> thousand snaps he's got. Right, and Austin, I think, incorrectly joked and, and said a thousand tackles, hundred tackles for <laughs> for Walker last year. So he, you know, he's not new to the NFL and what that's all about. So I, I would say maybe about a third. I think he'll rotate a little bit with uh, Robinson in in base and nickel. And you agree this 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 does play a little bit more into the Steelers' hands with uh, with the Browns' quarterback situation, with us expecting them to try to try to be heavy on the run. Sure. I think they're going to be ultra heavy against the run, but we'll, we'll talk about it more. Um, but I think they're going to run some empty in this one and really try to isolate and challenge these linebackers. They, they know that Pittsburgh's hurting. They just lost their two most athletic and best coverage guys. And Cleveland has always had success running empty at a heavy personnel that keeps Pittsburgh in their base defense and spread them out. So I think they want easy reads for a DTR and the ball to come out quick with the tackles who are beat up. So I think they're going to do some more stuff in the passing game than we expect. Right. But we still expect a lot of zone from the Steelers defense in this one. Yeah, no, I think with the mobility of DTR and just the lack of athletes to to really cover out there. But still, if you kind of get zone, you know, situation, just get the tight end over the ball and you could really try to, you know, make life tough on these inside linebackers for Pittsburgh. Uh, assuming, you know, we don't see Minka, assuming we don't see Neil, uh, and obviously not, you know, I, I think Adams is his absence is lesser with, with Keanu Benton coming on and all like that now. Uh, how on a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you about this defense uh, for this game and this game only? With with ten being very mm-hmm. concerned. Yeah, I don't have a great answer. Maybe a bit more than some people who look at this and say, "Oh, they don't have Chubb, they don't have Watson." Should be an easy day. I, I think it's going to be be tough because Pittsburgh's still missing some guys, and the Browns. I think are going to be schematically strong and have a full week to to plan with ETR, which they didn't have in week four whenever he started kind of 90 minutes before kickoff. They realized Watson couldn't go and ETR was going to have to be the guy. So maybe a four or five, but I think there's some, there's some challenges that Cleveland's still going to get Pittsburgh in this game. Do you buy Mike Tomlin's uh, uh, talk the other day that communication's actually easier on the road? Um, yeah, I can I can buy it because the crowd noise isn't an element. You know, whenever you're you talk about communication issues for the for the opposing offense when you're at home, well, it's just as loud for the defense. And so, yeah, I think that there's there's validity to that comment. 
and obviously, as, as we mentioned, there, there seemed to be some bust in communication. Well, we know, you know Mike Tomlin talked about communications on a defensive side of football against Green Bay. Right, right. Should mention, I'm, I'm burying uh, the comment here, but a little bit later in the show, we'll have a friend of the show, Scott Petrack, on. He covers the Browns for the Chronicle Telegram and Medina Gazette, also for brownzone.com. And so we'll get his perspective on DTR, the state of the Browns, what happened with Watson, the injury situation, and more with Scott in just a little bit. But to go to the Browns and their injury situation, I know, Dave, the quarterback headlines everything, rightfully so, but we have to talk about the tackles. I mean, their tackles are really beat up. No Jack Conklin, no Jed Wills, Daywan Jones, status is up in the air. That's a, that's a situation that I think we have to talk about, talk about a lot more than we are right now. Yeah, look, uh, Jaron Christian probably going to start at left tackle. We'll have to see what happens with Daywan Jones. I mean, could it be James Hudson? Uh, at, at right tackle, who you know, T.J. Watt has worn him around as a hat, I think, in 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 the in the past there. And on top of it, with them, you know, really wanting to, uh, they're going to have to make sure that their run game, regardless of who their tackles are, if they have if they get in a situation where they're 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 predictable, uh, that's really where this thing can go sideways on them. Uh, 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 with the you know, Steelers edge rushers. And at this point, I am kind of a little upset with the way the amount of snaps that, that this team, you know, had Highsmith and Watt play against the Packers. Although, and this kind of gets into our coordinator corner, corner portion of, 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 of the Friday podcast there. Carol Austin doesn't sound, you know, uh, uh, concerned about it at all at all. Basically saying if those guys want to be out, you know, end of story. If those guys want to be out there, they're out there. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it will be interesting after this game. If, if the Steelers aren't able to get after the quarterback, because look, it, they did okay against the Packers overall, but it, you know, uh, the pass rush lacked overall in that game. And, and, you know, DT is DTR Jordan Love. You know, there's some comparable things when when you look at DTR uh, uh, with Jordan Love, and Jordan Love was still able to sling the football down the field and had time uh, to do it. Was able to be you know a little mobile in there as well too. So, uh, it a you know back back to the original point. It's going to be interesting to see Daywan Jones how he comes out on 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 the Friday injury report for them. Uh, and even banged up, you know, he's probably not going to be 100%, but man, if they have to go with J Ron Christian and, and, and James Hudson as their tackles, you would think major advantage for the Steelers there. You would hope so. Been down that road before the Houston game kind of thought the same and obviously didn't play out that way. So it depends on how well you can stop the run, the screen game. I imagine they're going to lean on those things. I think that's another reason why Cleveland's going to run some empty in this game to try to slow down that pass rush, minimize them early, get the ball out in you know, 1.5, two seconds, um, kind of that elongated run game almost with the real quick passing game. But yeah, on paper, it looks good. Now, you know, I think the Packers game, the rotation was poor, and that can be a positional coach thing. It can be on the players for not pulling themselves out, but it was just one game. I think, generally speaking, the rotation has been fine this year. I thought it just got sideways against Green Bay. Hopefully, there's no repeat of that. Um, but I, 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 you know, I think it, you can't have Watt and Highsmith play 97 and 93% of the snaps and expect those guys to be good and fresh for the you know, final crucial drive of the game. Agreed. And something else we'll watch on the injury report, Marquise Goodwin, man. They traded away uh uh 
who was the Michigan kid they traded away? Donovan uh, Peoples. Yeah, Donovan Peoples Jones and all. And uh, Goodwin is dealing what with a concussion, I think. And uh, you know, obviously they still have Amari Cooper. Uh, do you do you do you consider having uh, Joey Porter Jr. follow around Amari Cooper in this one? It wouldn't shock me. Did they? Would you say they traveled with Watson last week? I feel like on third downs, Porter was moving with situationally. Watson some, situationally. So it may be the same with Cooper. Now, again, my concern is Cooper's a really fluid, nuanced route runner, and Porter a little bit stiffer, a little bit taller, and maybe will give him some trouble in that regard. So I don't know. I'm not as confident they're going to travel as often as they did against, say, Hopkins, who was more of a contested catcher, physical guy, where you wanted a really physical big corner to match up against that. So... I'm not really sure how it's going to go. It wouldn't shock me if they did, but it would not shock me if they did not either. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson's accuracy lacks. Uh, he's made some interesting decisions. If you go back and watch that tape against Baltimore earlier in the season and the deep ball just, uh, look, it's a small sample size, but it. Uh, I know you looked at the tape. I looked at the tape. You look at the stats. I mean, his deep ball hasn't been there yet. No, but it is. It, it's so tough to judge that Ravens game. I mean, this guy did not expect to start and play and then 90 minutes before kickoff Watson says I can't go and you're facing against you know, Baltimore and you know the, the game plan wasn't tailored to him so it, it wasn't there but it is hard to really know you know with a full week and him being the guy with full practice reps how much different things will look you have to assume it'll be better how much better we'll find out all right as far as other injuries I think that the uh, Thornhill is somebody to watch uh, safety of theirs on the injury report and I, I think Denzel Ward, Ward is banged up a little bit as well Right, he's got a neck issue, but I think he's going to play. Their corners are going to be healthy overall. Um, they got good, good safety depth overall, um, too. So, yeah, th th that defense is in a pretty good spot right now still. All right, shall we go to the coordinator corner? Corner. Yeah, we'll uh, briefly talk Canada and Austin, but, but we're both itching to talk about some Danny Smith here in just one moment. <laughs> Not much from Canada, really, and what he had to say. Uh, Austin didn't have a whole lot more either, other than the things we just talked about, the likely three-man rotation at inside backer. The comments about the high volume of snaps for Watt and Highsmith. What else did Austin have to say? Uh, you know, we already hit on the rotation of the linebackers I mean, of, 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 of not being concerned about Watt and, and, and Highsmith. Uh, had some praise, obviously, for, for Keanu Benton, the trust that he has in Landon Roberts. Uh, trying to think what else, what else stuck out he, to you? He did imply that. Minka and Neil are basically game time decisions right. based on their injury status. You know, we'll, we'll get information today. So, you know, hopefully at least one of those, I don't think Minka's playing. Neil has a better chance, but it seems a lot less certain than I felt to start this week. Right. Uh, I don't think he said too much other all just said that the D line rotation has shortened a little bit, but uh, he did say that Cam Hayward can't play as many snaps as he would like to just yet. So there'll be some rotation there. Uh, but within all that, uh, I think we're going to see, you know, uh, uh, the same group of what six out there uh, that we saw against the Packers overall. I think Mont Montrevious Adams will be inactive. Obviously you don't have uh Fajoko on the 53 at this time. Overall, uh, will Liao play more than four snaps because it really became a five man rotation and really kind of four because Loudermilk played a handful and, and probably expect to put your run guys out there against this heavy personnel Browns team. And Loudermilk didn't look all that awful against the run against the Packers, did he? 
No, he's made some plays. I think they've not so much in the Green Bay game, but they've run some overfronts where they're getting at the end on the tight end, which has helped. But yeah, I think Lottomilk and a couple of rotational snaps has been okay. And, you know, what with Armand Watts, I think you would mostly want him out there in passing situations. So uh, I don't, maybe we see a little bit more Lottomilk and Leal in this one, especially mm-hmm. if they can keep, you know, uh, on, on in early down situations and, uh, I think if you get it, obviously in in, in pass rush situations, uh, you might you know that's when you see some arm on Watt. So I would think an uptick in snaps for for guys like Liao and 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 Loudermilk possibly. Yeah, I think so as well, Dave. All right, Danny Smith forever. That is the the conversation here. You Danny couldn't Smith, wait we to don't... get to that, could you? <laughs> oh, it's a great time of year, Dave. Um, yeah, don't hear from Danny Smith too often these days. But after him taking that big shot on the final play of the Packers game, where Casey gets pushed by the Packers offensive tackle and runs over Danny Smith. And he seemed to be okay overall, but finding out that he's, you know, okay by, by Pittsburgh tough standards, but he revealed to reporters, he's got uh, a rotator cuff injury. I think he tore three muscles in his rotator cuff. We'll need surgery at some point, but he'll be out there on the sidelines this weekend, Dave. And then that's just, that's Danny Smith, the legend in a nutshell. Yeah. And uh, uh, full disclosure here, Alex and Alex and I tried our best to go back to find uh, that injury that uh, Danny Smith talked about. What 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 did he do to his leg in that one? He had to have he broke his leg, but he had to have a plate and like mm-hmm. 186 screws. I, <laughs> not that many, but he, uh, <laughs> I, Danny has no problem talking about past injuries, does he? Uh, There's a lot more than I assumed there were yeah. in his in his resume. And what what year was that? 1996 was it or three? I, I can't remember. I think somewhere mid nineties. Uh, uh, when he was with Georgia Tech, uh, got run over by uh, uh, I think one of his own guys uh, on the sideline. There, I'd looked, man. I, I was I was trying to I was trying to uh, make you so happy and find that clip of him. It's <laughs> so what I, I want for Christmas Day. Yeah, I, I couldn't find it. I'm gonna have to check some of the uh, torrent uh, boards and see if I can unearth that uh, that that Georgia Tech Clemson game, but. Uh, uh, he, Danny Smith is a rub, rub some dirt on it kind of dude. And he did, I thought, it, I thought his comments about, uh, 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 about the tight end, uh, Rodney Williams, yeah, Rodney Williams w- was interesting to say, man, I, I, I can't sit that guy now because, uh, <laughs> Rodney Williams, obviously pulled him out of the bottom of that pile and all like that. But, uh, uh, glad he's okay overall, but it, it was a hard fall that he, he took a hell of a charge yeah. there. And he's not a young Danny Smith. He's 70. He made the comment he's got to learn to get the hell out of the way. Well, you're 70 and not getting out of the way. I don't think he's going to change his stripes anytime soon. But uh, glad he, he tried to push Mika out of the way, didn't he? <laughs> Did he really? I didn't even yeah, take a look I, at him. I, I think that's Mika there that he's trying. He, he tried to jump on the grenade there and uh, <laughs> and, 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 and save Minka look like before taking that hit there. But uh, he, he knows where this team's bread is buttered at. Absolutely. If it's him versus Minka, I'll take the, take the hit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, he had no problem uh, talking about uh, that injury or any other injuries in the past. Yeah. So Danny Smith forever. I think everybody now fully understands what I've been saying for a couple of years, uh, but no, glad he's okay. And then just kind of beyond that to the football aspect, there were some really interesting comments. One about Presley Harvin that was more predictable, talking about him finding consistency, professionalism on the field and he's a really talented kid and we have seen more consistency with Harvin I think it's been a good year for him overall not perfect still some things to clean up but I do think especially that kind of pin deep quote-unquote coffin corner punting situation 
Uh, dating back to training camp has been really good for him, and the punting numbers are up for him. I think year by year, he has gotten better statistically, and that's been really important for him and for an offense that needs a good punter and also a good kicker. Yeah, need to keep it up. It'd be nice to see his best punting punt, uh, punting effort of the season against the Browns and, and keep that uh, that young quarterback of theirs pin, pinned up because uh, obviously the Steelers are facing a very good defense in 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 uh, uh, the Browns and field position probably going to play a, a huge mm-hmm. huge huge part in this game. So if you can pin back uh, that you know young quarterback and, and and that offense a few times in this game, that could go a long way in helping you win this one. Yeah, for sure. And I know punters and specialists, what happens when the weather turns bad in December is kind of where they're really, you know, their money is made. But uh, I think it's been a good start overall for Harvin. And then for Chris Boswell, Danny Smith revealing they changed up his routine this year in an effort to keep him healthy. I think injuries have been the only issue throughout Boswell's career. Talk about 2018 last year. His, His two down years have been, I think, very much injury related. And so he doesn't kick. On Friday, he does not kick 48 hours prior to a game and just kind of changing his routine to actually kick more to kind of keep his strength, but but not kicking close to game time. So it, it's worked overall, and Boswell's having a great season. Yeah, Boswell's having a really great season. He'd be perfect on field goals right now if not for that. Mm. Uh, the Jags game, yeah. Yeah, the offsides, right? Right. He hit that 56 yarder, got wiped out and then missed from 61. So if your worst thing, if you're if you're only misses from 61 or after you just made from 56, it's uh, it's a really good year. But, yeah, I think that still stings. That's your one blemish uh, so far. But but Pittsburgh needs him and Boswell has been otherwise perfect. And he's probably going to be a busy guy in this game <laughs> uh, uh, against the Browns. And we're not talking kickoffs. We're talking probably right. some field goals. Well, I guess then leads to kickoffs. But you get the point overall. Not a lot of touchdowns uh, likely in this game. All right, Dave, anything from any players or any other coaches that you want to uh, talk about from Pittsburgh this week? I'm trying to think of anything stuck out since uh, since 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 Wednesday. Yeah, uh, Kenny didn't say much whenever he spoke. I don't remember him saying anything too notable. Yeah. I Just that, 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 that missed touchdown to Deontay. I mean, it, it sucks it was there. I know quarterbacks don't always see things. Um, I, I didn't take it as damning as maybe some other people did. Yeah, look, uh, Deontay adjusted and, you know, adjusted his route and, and Kenny just said, didn't see him. And, and Deontay said he didn't see him. So, uh, yeah, just sometimes that's going to happen in the game. It would have been nice mm-hmm. to have that one because Deontay was free and, uh, had the arm up and all like that. If, 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 if Kenny could have got that away, but, uh, I mean, it, it, it happens. You just hate to see a guy that's that's struggling, pushing, pushing yeah. the football down the field, not be able to see something like that and hit it. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. All right, Dave, anything else here? I think we probably covered the, uh, the front half of the show pretty well. Yeah, we can get to Scott, I think. Right. OK, yep. We'll get to Scott Petrak. He covers the Cleveland Browns for the Chronicle Telegram and Medina Gazette. Also, check him out at brownzone.com. What is Scott's Twitter handle? I forgot to get that. I want to make sure that I have that as well let me pull that up it is just scott petrak yeah scott petrak p-e-t-r-a-k so we'll take a pause and come back with scott okay welcome back to the terrible podcast it is friday it is week 11 of the nfl season it is pittsburgh steelers versus the cleveland browns on sunday in cleveland and as usual we'd like to be joined by a beat writer who covers the opposition and uh, as everybody probably guessed by now, that means our buddy Scott Petrak is back. Scott covers the Browns for the Chronicle, Chronicle Telegram and Medina Gazette. You can find all of his work along with his podcast 
at brownzone.com. And all of you should be following Scott on Twitter by now. If not, it's Scott Petrak, P-E-T-R-A-K. We've got a lot to talk about. Happy Friday, Scott. Welcome back to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, busy, busy Thursday night of AFC North action and obviously a busy week uh, this past week for you, Scott, with the news about Deshaun Watson being shut down for the season. A little bit surprising news on top of it. The team not going with P.J. Uh, Walker at, at quarterback, going with DTR. Uh, just kind of your overarching thoughts on that big news. I don't think a lot of people, I mean, when we knew uh, Watson had that ankle uh, uh, issue issue coming out of that game, but a little bit of a surprise with, with the shoulder and all. Uh, your thoughts on that and your thoughts on uh, the decision to go with DTR instead of Walker? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you guys mentioned the AFC North, right? Like, there's you can't predict too far down the road, right? I mean, you just <laughs> right. can't. Right? No. I, mean, I came out, I came, I left Baltimore thinking, you know, the Browns have a really good chance to win the division. And now, you know, now you have to recalibrate everything. I thought the Bengals are going to the playoffs. Now you got to recalibrate that. So it's just a crazy league, um, crazy season. When it comes to the Browns, no, they, you know, nobody knew about the shoulder. Um, Watson, I guess, complained of it at some point during the game. I don't know if he complained to the coach or the medical staff or just himself and knew that he wasn't, you know, something was going on in there. Um, obviously finished the game with the shoulder and the high ankle sprain. 14 for 14 in the second half. And then we find out Wednesday morning that he's done for the year. They won't let him play through the broken bone in the shoulder, which seems to make sense not to let the guy play through a broken bone in that throwing shoulder. So the Browns have to figure it out, right? And from a Browns per fan perspective, he had just started to play well, right? Like right, he had three right. pretty good starts in a row. Um, great second half to beat the Ravens. The biggest Browns win, I would say, since 2020, probably since the playoff win in Pittsburgh in 2020. And you can't, if you're a Browns fan, they can't even enjoy it for like 72 hours. Yeah. And you get the news that your expensive quarterback, um, who started to play well and hasn't been in the lineup much, right? He's only started 12 games since he's been here, um, will be done for the season. So uh, it's a big blow. Um, big blow to the team, big blow to the fan base. Um, you know, and I, I think part of it you say, well, he hasn't played great in the team. He's still won games, and that's true. So I think that gives the fan base optimism that they can still figure out a way to win. Um, you know, when you think long term, you know, if he plays at a high level, then they have a chance to beat anybody, right? Because we've right. seen we've seen Watson play like a Pro Bowl when he was with the Texans. So he, you, it's not hard to imagine, okay, maybe he can play, compete with the Mahomes and the Burroughs and the Jacksons, right? Um, but now that he's not there, it's a huge unknown. DTR, the only time we've seen him was when he was awful against the Ravens on October 1st. Like, he was overmatched. Looked like he did not belong out there. A ton of bad decisions. Now, the Browns hope that the six weeks difference since then, he's really – matured and he's learned a lot he thinks he learned a lot from just being out in the field the one time they also think that that week was a weird week because everybody thought Watson was going to play uh, Watson thought he was going to play so it's not like DTR prepared as a starter all week and that changes right this week it changed Tuesday he knew 
and he came, he got the game plan. He came in Wednesday, says he knew knew the game plan, knew all the long play calls. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he really is night and day like he says he's going to be. Um, you know, and the fact that they went with him over PJ Walker is interesting. Walker was two and two, or I'm sorry, two and one in the games that he not he didn't start all of them, but he came off the bench in that Colts game. Um, he was two and one. He had a chance to be three and zero. He threw a bad interception late in that Seattle game. If not, they might win that game. They're leading with like two minutes left. Um, but he was a turnover machine. He had six turnovers in three games. And I think the Browns thought, okay, that's not sustainable. They think DTR has a higher ceiling, right? They drafted DTR, um, and, and that's why they made the move. And I, I think they were leaning toward making that move after the Seahawks game, but then Watson came back. So it's not a stunner, but it is interesting. Your thoughts on, uh, obviously, a ways off where they have to make the decision. Uh, what, what What's your thoughts on, on the Deshaun Watson situation, you know, now, uh, you know, with, 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 you know, him only playing the 12 games so far, and obviously you got the guaranteed money tied up with him. We've seen teams tear off the Band-Aid, uh, even on some of these higher cap charges and, and guaranteed deals and say, that's it, we're just done with it, we'll move on. This team has a lot of cap space, though, next season, though. Is this a, a, a situation uh, where you think, okay, let's give it one more try, uh, in, 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 in 2024 and, and hope that we get him through a season and get the guy that we, we signed up for, or could you see them ripping the bandaid off or, or does the way DTR play in these final, you know, uh, uh, eight weeks, uh, determine that. Yeah. I, I don't have any inclination or any sense that the Browns are done with Watson. And I mean, they're, they were so all in with this move that, right. It, that'd be a tough. That'd be tough to sell, right? Okay, we're right. done with this guy. Um, he just started to play well. It's not his fault. His shoulder broke. Um, you know, I, I just I don't see it going that way. Now, your point at the end is interesting, right? Like if if DTR plays great and leads them to the Super Bowl or something, then then you have a different discussion. Um, but let's assume that doesn't happen. The cap numbers, like it's outrageous. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like it's a hundred million dollars or something. Like it's it's insane. Um, they think he's going to be the guy. Like I don't think they've changed their opinion that he can be the guy for the next. And it goes beyond the rest of the contract, right? Like when they traded for him, the assumption was at some point he'd get a new contract. Like he'd be here for a decade. Now the guy needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay on the field. And that's another frustrating thing for the Browns. He didn't have an injury history. Like he tore his ACL as a rookie. In 2017, he didn't miss a game with for an injury after that. So, you know, I think there's some bad luck there. Now he's, I mean, it's not like he's old. He just turned 28. All so, right. um, I, I think the hope is he comes back, he stays healthy, and he plays like the guy. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have some kind of contingency plan, but I just think all the factors, including the cap situation, that they're stuck with him. No, no more, no more questions, Your Honor, about what. <laughs> <laughs> I got one more on DTR for you, Scott. I know you mentioned week four, you summed up his play awful, but gave the caveat of the circumstances. Can you just kind of go into his performance in more detail against Baltimore and how this game plan might look and shift now that it's going from Watson to DTR? Sounds like the players are saying it's not going to change much because he's mobile, he's athletic, but what do you expect from this game plan? Yeah, I, I think, 
like that part won't change, right? I think the RPOs and the the zone read stuff, I think that would look the same. What changes is there's probably a heavier emphasis on the run game. Um, you know, I would assume the Steelers load the box and make him throw. So it's not like you can it's it's not like he can just not throw, right? At some point he's gonna have to throw. Right. Um but I, I think they'll I think they'll try to take as much pressure off him as possible. And they'll tell him don't turn the ball over and punt's fine and go win the game with the defense. Like, you know, I mean the, the Browns should have won Monday night in Pittsburgh, right? If they don't give up 14 points, their offense doesn't give Pittsburgh 14 points. Mm-hmm. So I think they think that'll be the recipe. Now going back to that, the Ravens game, he threw three picks. Now one was on the last play of the game, but still. He threw about three. I think he took through three or four of the balls that could have been intercepted. Um, he had a play in to me, this play stuck out the most is he's, I think it was a scramble. He's running down the right sideline, like 15 yards down the field. And he tries to pitch to tight end, tight end Harrison. Yeah. Bryant, right. <laughs> Saw that last night on the what field. The, like to me, that <laughs> was just a sign of this kid isn't ready. Right. Like, so not his head's not working. Right. The decision-making was awful. Um, so that's what's going to have to be better. And he talked about it yesterday. Um, you know, it's all about making good decisions. And if I make good decisions, we'll win the game. And, we'll, we'll you know, we'll leave the game with smiles on our faces, something along those lines. And, and I agree with that. Like, I, I think that's the reality, that if he makes good decisions, doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Browns win. But that's a big if, just given the one game we saw him play. Two more quick questions on that. A, could they use more empty? Because against that, against the Ravens, they they spread the thing uh, the field out a good bit and ran empty. Someone that's always been a weapon in Cleveland's offense against Pittsburgh. And could there be any trickery in that game? They had that third down, fake the tight end sneak, pitch to a DTR, who threw it down the field. Could there be another layer like that, or do they want to be ultra conservative in this game? That's a great question. Um, I, I I don't have a great answer for you because I know from a fan perspective, just listening to the fans and some of the media, um, they thought the game plan was too aggressive with them last time. Um, I also know that Kevin Stefanski is an aggressive minded coach. Right. And I, I think part of, you know, people, oh, why are you throwing, why, why are you throwing deep? Well, the reason is because you don't think you can put together a 10 play drive. So right. if you hit one big play, it flips the field. It gives you a chance to get quick points. So I, I do think they'll take some shots downfield. I wouldn't be stunned if there were a trick play or two in there. Um, the empty thing is interesting because I know the Browns like the empty because it identifies everything, right? It makes it easy on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. The problem with empty, it makes it hard to help your tackles, right? Like True. maybe if you go empty, but you have the tight ends tight on the line. And they've done some of that, right? Where they have the tight end tight or even the running back. They'll motion the running back to right on the edge so he can help chip at the line of scrimmage uh, because they're going to have to help against those tackles, right? So I I don't think it's the fancy he's going to go ultra conservative because that's not his style, but he might dial it back a little bit. I'm probably hedging there, but I, I kind of feel like that's the way to go. Sure, sure. And speaking of those tackles, Jedrick Wolves out, Jack Conklin's out. What's the status on day one Jones if he can't go? How did Hudson do? How did, how did Christian do? What's yeah. the outlook on the tackle situation? Yeah, Jones returned to practice limited on Thursday. And he said it's just going to be all, does he feel like he can play at a high level, right? And if he does, he's going to be out there. Um, I, I My guess is we get a questionable today. Um, you, you know, they could rule him out. 
if it doesn't go well, you know, if he didn't respond well to yesterday or doesn't go well today. Um, but let's say he's questionable. It'd be huge for them if they have Dewan Jones because he's played at a relatively high level, especially in pass protection. And I didn't think, you know, the week two against Pittsburgh was his first start. And I didn't think he was over his head at all. Like, I, I thought he did a pretty good job against TJ Watt. Wasn't great, but I thought he did pretty good, right? I've seen Browns tackles do way worse than TJ Watt. Right. So him over James Hudson the third would be a big leap. Um, we saw Hudson at the end of the 2021 game at whatever week week 17 in Pittsburgh. TJ had four sacks. Right. Um Hudson struggled last week against Clowney. Now he wasn't awful. He's gotten better. Um Jones is just better than Hudson. And I think you're gonna get Jerron Christian at left tackle either way. Like I think they're gonna stay there. And if you know, if there's a thought that if if Jones had been healthy last week, they could have gone Jones right side, Hudson left side. I think Christian played well against the Ravens, not perfect. Gave up a strip sack late that the Browns were lucky to jump on. Um, but I think it'll be Christian at left tackle. And he played a little bit against the Steelers early this season when we, he was with Houston. And then the hope is Jones on the right side. And if you have that, then maybe you only have to, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to help the tackles at some point. Um, but maybe you don't have to help both tackles all the time. Before we uh, talk about that awesome Browns defense, uh, what's the rest of the injury report likely to shake out? I think Goodwin's uh, Marquise Goodwin. I know it was long. It looked like a uh, 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 a CVS receipt there yeah, right. <laughs> at the starting of the week, but it looks like it calmed down a little bit on Thursday. Uh, other than, say, Jones, uh, who else is, is, is in danger maybe missing this game? Yeah, it looks like Juan Thornhill, the safety, will be out. So it'll be Rodney McLeod. Um, Marquise Goodwin looks at he had a, I mean, you can't tell by seeing how a guy gets hit with a concussion, but it was bad against Arizona. Um, got up really wobbly, um, hasn't been on the field since, so I assume he's out. So Goodwin and Thornhill, those are the two outs. And then Jones is the other one I would keep an eye on. I think everybody else is good to go. All right, defensive side of football, man. Uh, yeah. Jim Swartz has this has this unit playing well. Now I, I know you uh, you know uh, against the Ravens they had a few issues there overall. But uh, what have you seen? What all have you seen since the last time the Steelers played uh, the Browns early in the season? Uh, any new wrinkles or stuff? I mean, obviously they they move Miles Garrett around. They like to use that sim pressure. Swartz don't care what down it is. He'll send people. Uh, we've seen him a couple times. I think send. Uh, two DBs off the edge or something yeah. like that. Uh, you know, not afraid to drop miles into coverage or, or have a defensive tackle kind of, uh, I think drop maybe even a couple of times. What have you seen as far as a maturation uh, of this defense? And I mean, you look statistically across the board that this unit's great, right? Oh, it is. And it's, it hasn't been perfect. You know, they gave up the late touchdown against Seattle. Now it came after a pick, but they, Seattle still went 57 yards to win the game, right? And that's great. And some of the guys said it afterward. If you're the number one defense in the league, or I forget the sentence. It, it was either, hey, if we want to be number one or if we want to be best in the world, because that's a phrase they keep throwing out there, then you don't let up that winning touchdown. Um, and that's legit. And they almost did the same thing against the Niners. They played great against the Niners, but they let up a field goal drive, but the kid misses a field goal at the end. And that's, you know, the bronze escape with the win. 
So it, it hasn't been perfect, but if you take a step back, you know, the numbers are great. They're leading the league, you know, in yardage. They're leading the league in first downs, given up by a ton. Um, they started to turn it over a little bit, which was missing early in the season. Um, so they just have a bunch of pieces. You know, you mentioned Miles Garrett. Darius Smith is playing well. He doesn't have crazy numbers, but he's getting into the backfield. Dalvin Thomas is playing really good in the middle. Jordan Elliott, their D tackle that's been here for four years, is finally playing at a high level, um, which he hadn't done in his first three years. Denzel Ward's playing great. Martin Emerson Jr. is playing really well. He struggled a little bit against the Ravens, but part of that was a matchup with Zay Flowers. It's a tough matchup for him. Um, you know, Grant Delpit's playing well, the safety. Like, they're just playing well. And Schwartz is calling a good game. He's got him attacking. He's got freedom because he trusts the back end to cover. So he's bringing Greg Newsom out of the slot. He's bringing Greg or Grant Delpit out of the slot. So, and I think that they have, I don't want to say turn a corner, but Schwartz talked yesterday about feeling the tenacity be at a different level in the fourth quarter of that Ravens game. And the Browns went out there, the defense went out there, and they got the pick six by Newsom, and then they got a stop to give him a chance to go win the game. And they almost got a stop after a muff punt at the 12-yard line. It took two third-quarter, third-down penalties to keep that short drive going. So he said the defense took it to another level. He felt it in his soul. He thinks they're still trying to make up for that game for the ending against Seattle. And I just feel like with the Watson situation, this defense is going to take off even more. And I think you're going to see a really good outing on Sunday. According to the tape, at least it looked like if you're going to try to run on this defense, offenses need to run to their right side, which would be the two to the Browns left side of their defense. Uh, A, is is that probably where the Steelers are going to have to try to find its success at on their right side? And the second thing that stuck out, while not awful, I think they're in the top uh, third down and five. Mm-hmm. Five to nine yards or more. The uh, the Browns have allowed a conversion percentage of thirty five point six, and I think there's only like twelve teams that got that that have allowed a higher percentage of that. You know, basically right in the middle of the NFL, which yeah. is is it awful? But it was it did stick out. Now the Steelers are struggling on third downs, especially third same situation, third mm-hmm. and five to to nine to ten yards. They just are failing to convert. Uh, but but what are your thoughts on those two points? Yeah, that's interesting. So you're talking about going kind of at Zadarius Smith at the left end spot, right? Right. Away from Miles Garrett. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I could see it because Miles is playing at such a level that it's obviously, I don't think anybody's having success going right at Miles. Um, but I think Smith's been good. Now you can do a little with the misdirection and bootlegs. You know, I, you know, Smith, it feels like he's a half step on some of those plays where he kind of, you know, takes the bait. And then you can see him chasing. He's chasing hard, but hasn't gotten caught up to the guy. Um, and sometimes it'll be Obo Okoronko out there. He's lighter um, than those two other guys. So I could see that, but I don't think they've been bad in that way, you know, in that area. Like a, it's probably a difference from going toward Miles. And I, and I remember some of the Ravens, the first game against the Ravens, the Ravens had some success running that way. But I think they've cleaned that up. And then the third down stat's interesting because they're really good on third down. Like I think they're leading the league overall on third down. Um, and but they try to get you in third and a ton, right? right? And they try to create negative plays early. And if you don't, then you can get in that spot. It might be skewed by some third down penalties against Baltimore that kept them on the field. Um, but really, 
there's a couple of big plays they've given up in a couple fourth quarter drives and a couple of first quarter drives. So like they gave there was a period where they gave up first possession drive touchdowns on three straight games. Um, other than that, the defense has been unbelievable. Scott, my last question for you, then I'll help Dave finish things out. And it's a it's a big kind of weighty question that might be hard to think about in the middle of the season and off the Watson news. But how does this Browns team get evaluated? You go from the Baker is hurt season to the Watson is suspended season to now the Watson is hurt season. How do you make of where this team is headed? What expectations should be? It just feels like every year has a big asterisk to it. And you just can't make a determination on what this franchise is or is not. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Because going into into, into this week, you probably thought, man, this team's going to the playoffs, right? right? I did. And I I think they still will, but I think it's a lot harder. Like, I was convinced they're going to the playoffs, right? And I thought they might win the division, and I thought Mm -hmm. they might make a run. Like, I really – I know it was only one game in Baltimore, but it felt like everything had been building, and we talked about Watson had been playing better. So, yes, that's how I was feeling – Monday. Um, I, I think from a big picture perspective, I, I think it's good from, from like a longevity coach GM standpoint. Like if you're Andrew Barry, you go to the owner because they're all, they're like in the fourth year of five-year contracts. So this is a big year for them. And we probably mm-hmm. talked about that the first time. Right. So I think you go in and you say, Hey, we're six and three. We look like we're going to the playoffs. I don't care how everything goes, right? Like, I think you can make that argument. Um, now, I do think that the last eight games matter. But if they go to the playoffs with, you know, Watson missing as many games as he missed, like, I think that's a good sign for continuity. Like, I would certainly expect everybody to come back. Now, you know, if you're talking about long-term, like, are they going to be a Super Bowl contender? It's all going to come back to the quarterback, right? So, like, I think they're in a good spot, but your point's well taken that there is plenty of uncertainty just because the quarterback situation, I guess you can say, remains unanswered, mm-hmm. even if they might think it is answered. You know what I mean? Uh, before I get kind of your prediction on this one, who is this a bigger game for, the Browns or the Steelers? It's really a kind of, I guess, a trick question. I mean, there's no right answer. But who is it, who, who is this a bigger game for uh, in Cleveland on Sunday? And second, what do you think about this, the, the Steelers and this uh, sustainable, unsustainable thing that they got going on right now? Yeah, it, it, I'll answer that part first. It certainly feels unsustainable. Now, you know, I don't, I don't watch them like you guys do. I watched – I went back and watched the Packers game and, and you see good things, right? You see Pickens making some catches. You see the running backs running. You, we know what that defense does. Um, the, you know, but when turnover, when you rely so heavily on turnovers, right? Creating turnovers, that's tough, right? Cause you can't right. necessarily count on those. We know the rules about if you're outgained, if you're outscored, right? Point differential, like that's a legitimate, um, Sign, right? That's not the exact word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm saying, right? Right. Like that's a telltale to how an indicator of how good you are as a team. So I, I'm I don't know if Pittsburgh can sustain it. And when I say that, I mean like, can they make a Super Bowl run? Yeah, they, they can win four more games and get to the playoffs, right? Like right. that's not ludicrous. Um, I think your quarterback needs to play better, right? Like yeah. I don't. It's hard. Like that feels unsustainable to keep winning games when your quarterback's not playing at a high level. Um. So yeah, it feels a little smoke and mirror 
E to me, but when I look at some of the talent, it feels less that way. You know, when you look at Watt and Highsmith and Hayward and Pickens and Johnson and Najee and Warren, like all of a sudden it's like, well, there's a bunch of guys there, right? So I'm, you know, I might be speaking out on both sides of my mouth, but um, I see why they're winning, but I also think, man, they shouldn't win as many games as they've won, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and then to go to your first question, I, I think it's a bigger game for the Browns. You can't be swept by the Steelers. And I think you have to you have to maintain the momentum. And it's going to be hard to get four wins, right, the rest of the year. And the schedule's not that hard. The Browns' schedule's not that hard. But they're not going to be a big favorite. You know, unless DTR turns into, you know, Kurt Warner, they're not going to be a big favorite in any of these games coming up. Each one, they're going to have to play well. The defense is going to have to play great. Like, so it's going to be a slog. So you need to get all the wins you can. This feels like a winnable game to me. I think you want to kind of restore the confidence of your team and your fan base after Watson. And if you go and beat the rival at home, then you beat Baltimore and Pittsburgh back-to-back. Even if you don't have your quarterback, I think that says, hey, okay, we can stabilize, we can move forward. If somehow, you know, if they lost to the Steelers, especially if they got, like, blown out by the Steelers, then I think there's a chance there's a crisis of confidence. So I think it's huge for the Browns. All right, speaking of slogs, <laughs> is is this going to be 15 to 13 uh, on Sunday in Cleveland? Uh, uh, whoever has uh, the, the biggest turnover in the game going to gonna win this? They're going to just play punt uh, and, and, and swap the ball between the 40s? How do you see this one going? And uh, feel free, free to throw out a final score, Scott. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right on all those. Right, I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, you know, we saw the over-under was 33, right? It's pretty low. Right. Um, I, I do think it's going to be slog. I think it's going to be a field possession game, a field position game. I think it's a don't turn the ball over game. Um, all those things you described, I, I just don't think – I don't know how you play any other way with those two quarterbacks, right? right? Um, so, yeah, that's what I predict. Um, I think the Browns' defense is better. Overall, than the Steelers' defense, the Browns' defense is pretty healthy. You guys got some linebacker issues, um, and you know I hate picking really low scores because it's a crazy league. And I pick low scoring in Indianapolis, and it wound up being thirty nine, thirty eight. Having said that, I'm picking a low score. I'm going to go Browns seventeen fourteen. All right, fair enough. Scott, look, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do this again here uh, at the end of the season. Both these teams can get in. Obviously, a lot happened uh, in the AFC North uh, Thursday night with the you know the Ravens losing Mark Andrews, and obviously we all yeah. wait to see what happened with Joe Burrow uh, and how that's you know eat, that loss really hurts them. On top of it, there. Uh, all right. Uh, until next time, Scott. Uh, we appreciate your time. And uh, as always, thanks for joining uh, Dave and Alex on the Terrible Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Scott Petrak, who covers the Browns for the Chronicle Telegram and Medina Gazette, also brownzone.com. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Petrak. That's P-E-T-R-A-K. And Dave, always a great guest with valuable information to provide on the Browns. Yeah, he was pretty intense in certain, you know, aspects of that, you know, very in tune, obviously, you know, with the team that he covers there. And and it just it felt like he's 
felt like he was kind of disappointed because thinking that this is a Browns team, uh, you know, starting this week that, man, if they could beat the Steelers and and Deshaun Watson's playing well, uh, I think Scott maybe had visions of, 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 of he'll probably still out, end up uh, out in Vegas anyway, covering the Super Bowl. But uh, uh, I, I think, I think he knows the seriousness of, of, of this injury with, uh, with Watson now and how this the Browns team more than ever is going to have to rely uh, on, on their defense. And even though you've had, you, you, we've seen what happened Thursday night, in the AFC North there. Uh, and I, I think he was right to say, uh, look, this is a big game for both these teams. When you look at, 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 what a win can do for both these teams' playoff chances. I think the Steelers' playoff chances go up to mathematically something like seventy nine percent. I think the Browns uh, goes goes maybe even a little bit higher than that. I can't remember what I saw on the graphic on that one there, but uh, this is a. I I agree, and Steeler fans probably aren't going to like this, but I I do think that this is a bigger game for the Browns than it is the Steelers on Sunday now. That's probably fair. I mean, it's obviously a big game for both teams. What the graphic was, if Pittsburgh wins, if you're into the numbers, that their playoff odds sit at 79%. If they lose, their odds drop to 46%. So that's a, that's a crazy swing there. Um, either way, let's just say neither team wants to lose this game. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk about the Browns, you and I, and our kind of preview of this game. We'll start with that Browns offense. And again, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the rookie fifth-round pick out of UCLA, making his second career start, but... There's a key difference in this start compared to the previous one because, again, in that week four game, it was an emergency thing, really no time to prepare. No, I mean, he did get reps that week, I guess, because Watson wasn't really practicing that week, I guess, leading up to week four. But still, this time, you know he's the guy. The game plan is really specifically being built around you, and there is just some more comfort your second time out. So when you look at this Browns offense, you know, we know they're going to want to run the football. What do you what do you expect beyond that from this Browns offense? First and foremost, do you think they're making the right decision between Walker and DTR? I'm I'm a bit surprised. I'm a little bit as well. Not that I've watched either guy in depth. I mean, DTR was the the number two quarterback to begin the year. He's the reason why Dobbs got dealt to Arizona. He had a really good summer and training camp and preseason performances. I just think they looked at Walker and said, "We know this. We know who this guy is. We know he's going to struggle. Going to turn the ball over. We can't risk that." DTR has the same issue, but maybe you can get some more big plays out of him. And there was a reason why they went to Thompson Robinson as the backup to start the year. So I guess that's their their, their calculation. But I, I, I think they had a it was a bad hand no matter which card they decided to play. All right. Uh, we talked about the tackles uh, for them and, and, and how important that look schematically that you're still going to see them pull the guards and 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 those kind of things there. Uh they 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 are going to come out, I think, and try to run the football down down the Steelers' throat, and probably uh, with a lot of that interior uh, runs. Now, Ford, uh, uh, when you talk about a running back like Jerome Ford, he can get out on the edge. Uh, both those guys, Kareem Hunt, obviously can can factor in in, in into the passing game uh, if they need it. Uh, they'd like to do some things with with multiple tight ends on the field. Uh, you'll see them try to run some 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 quick stuff to Injoku. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if they try to make Injoku kind of more of a focal point in some of these short over the middle sit downs against zone with some of those kind of uh, return uh, uh, kind of pivot routes 
Uh, I think that's one thing that stuck out when you go back and watch the tape with, with Cleveland and Baltimore earlier in the year. They're going to be interesting to see what happens with Marquise Goodwin because to not have a guy that can go vertically like that, uh, if they don't have him, that could impact this game. Uh, although Elijah Moore was a guy that I remember going into that game last time saying, man, who's that number eight? You know what? Mm-hmm. A, a weird number eight you know, out on the field there. So uh, accuracy is seems to be an issue uh, with, with Dorian Thompson Robinson so far. The deep ball in the limited uh, amount of snaps that he's that he's gotten uh, is an issue, and just third down overall. I mean, him and Kenny Pickett, and once again, we're talking about a much smaller size sample size when it comes to to Dorian Thompson Robinson. They, you know, you don't want to be in third and long situations anytime, mm-hmm. but the but this is a guy that you really don't want in third and long situations and I imagine they're telling some of his decision making wasn't great in that game against the Ravens he had a couple of interceptions in that game there could and as Scott said there could have been three or four more uh uh in that game as well too and and just his accuracy overall so I would expect them to try to heavy dose of the run and establish that run game tell him don't turn the football over whatever you do don't turn the football over and hope that this is a close game he is a guy that will take off and run with the football and that's Mm -hmm. yet i mean not that deshaun watson wasn't but you better make sure that you have your 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 face toward him uh in some of these escape situations they're probably telling him don't be afraid to take off with the football, if you if you don't see the first or second read uh, there, so that is a big concern because the kid is very athletic. Uh, he can go seventy on you, you know. Mm-hmm. He ran, uh, I think, what four five two, four five six at the combine. Right. So I, you really have to be cognizant of him taking off with football. I wouldn't be surprised to see him do some zone read stuff in this game uh, to try to keep the Steelers' edge edge guys honest in this, but I, I would think that, you know, they're, they're going to try to use the tight ends in the passing game in the short game here, probably dump off to the running backs quite a bit in this game. And then, then all that being surrounded the run game. No, I think you summed it up really well, Dave. I think they're going to lean on his strengths and that's his mobility and his ability to kind of create and, you know, frustrate you when you got things plugged up on third and seven, he takes off and gets eight yards, probably some designed, run game, especially near red zone, goal line type type stuff, quarterback power, they would run with Watson, probably keep that with ETR, some read option, as as you referenced as well. And while his numbers were poor against Baltimore in week four, the top receiver for Cleveland that day wasn't Joe, who had six catches on seven targets, and Cooper only had one catch that day. So I think they're going to lean on Njoku quite a bit. And then to my point earlier, you know, I think they're, they're going to see some empty in this game. You're going to see them come out in 12 personnel, heavy, keep Pittsburgh in their base defense, and then spread things out and try to get Cooper as number three inside over the middle, maybe on a linebacker with Pittsburgh's, you know, linebacker situation in, in flux right now and in Joku over the middle. So um, I saw that against Baltimore. I don't think I don't think Cleveland's going to be as, as conservative as maybe some people are thinking. I think to Scott's point, they're going to they're going to run some play action. They're going to, they're going to take some deep shots. They may bust out a trick play or two. They did that against Baltimore as well. So um, they're going to run the ball a lot, and obviously they, they need to protect the football, but I think they're going to be selective and they're going to take some shots in this game. 
they'll put they'll put him in pistol. They put him in pistol against the uh, the Ravens. They'll put him up underneath center uh, 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 a little bit as well too. I envision to get him settled into this game uh, at home, big AFC North game. Blah blah blah. I think you're going to see some RPOs in in that script mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, to start off with. Just very easy count the box if. If this, then that, I think you could, you know, as obviously as part of RPOs, I think you could, you know, if they get the numbers on the outside, uh, see a couple of quick wide receiver screens. I think within that script, though, I think you're going to see some RPOs, obviously some heavy runs to kind of get him settled into the game uh, first and foremost uh, 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 with him. That, that, that's what I'm expecting with him. I am worried about his legs a little bit. Look, even though they're not, they don't have their, they're, they're, they're probably not going to have their, uh, you know, we'll obviously see what happens with Daywan Jones, but uh, the interior of their line is really, really good. So they can still pull those guards and do some of the things that they want to do uh, in the running game. Uh, as far as if he, if they try to do any of that read option stuff like that, uh, some mess charge should settle that down. <laughs> uh, I, I want, I want him to know that those, those edges aren't afraid to hit him early. Yeah, they haven't used the mesh charge too much lately. I don't know what their plan is in this game. They're not. I really don't know what the the plan's going to be. I think maybe less mesh charge, or maybe just more, you know, slant and scrape, or something a bit more conservative. I w- you need to you need to let this guy know that you're in the game early. You need to uh, bounce uh, bouncing them around early in this one could could have an impact on him. Sure, and hopefully, I think the best way to do that is by bottling up that run game, putting them in those third and long situations and making him drop back. I think you're going to see a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs early, change the launch point. I think you look at the Houston model and say, what did Houston do well? Mm-hmm. They used the screen game. They ran the ball well. They stayed on script. And those things are obvious, and every team's really trying to accomplish that. But when you got a rookie quarterback with backup tackles, you can't just sit there you know, and, and do your three-step and five-step and seven-step game. you got to really change the launch point and make those edge guys run and get those guys tired out uh, tired out a little bit. So I think they're going to mix all those things in, or at least try to early in this game. And if you look back at that game uh, that he played against the Ravens, the Ravens 75% zone in that game. And while they gave up some plays, Baltimore did. Baltimore was almost like he's going to make the mistake. Yeah. Uh, and if we can, you know, Obviously, explosive plays are huge and are going to play a huge part in this game for sure. But if you can limit the explosive plays and and constantly put this offense, this Browns offense uh, in situations where they have to drive long fields and put together 10 or 11 play drives, uh, it's almost like the Ravens kind of thought he's he's. You know, he's probably going to make a mistake, and he made quite a few of them in that game. He got away with with quite a few of them as well, too. But uh, th- this goes back to what we even said earlier earlier in the week there. Uh, expect the Steelers to play a lot of zone in this game. Make sure you're tackling the catch because we all know what Amari Cooper can do. Elijah Moore's good after the catch. Uh, we'll see what happens with Marquise Goodwin. Don't, don't, don't let this guy uncork one up over your head for an easy you know, 60 yard touchdown, whatnot. Don't let Jerome Ford uh, have, you know, what we saw in that Packers game, have a 40 yard long run. Keep everything in front of you in this game. If you're the Steelers defense, if you can keep everything in front of you, make him drive the long fields, make him get into some of these third and long situations. That's when you're more apt to, to make, make him have a, make a mistake. 
But the the one difficulty in that is because you're trying to really sell out hard to stop the run. I assume this team's going to pack the box. They're going to play eight-man boxes, bring the strong safety down, and and try to take away that run game. That's going to isolate some of those DBs in the back end, your corners, and put a lot on your your free safety. And we assume that Minka Fitzpatrick's not going to play in this game. So there's a line between you want to sell out, stop the run, make DTR beat you, but also you're worried about the play-action game and the deep ball and him him hitting a chunk play that may— change the tide of a game or put them in field goal range or set up a touchdown and, and probably will be a low scoring game. So, you know, with young DBs and a secondary that's hurt, not playing incredibly well, there's some concern there. I, I, if I'm the Steelers, I want to come out of this game. If I lose and say, damn, that Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, did it with his arm. Right. But it might be of the one play, big play variety. Right. And just taking a shot because they got Cooper who can make some plays. You get one v one matchup, put it up there. Doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. So, but yeah, I think overall, still the game plan has to be let's keep it simple, let's play the run, and as you said, wait and let DTR make the mistake. Right, and then you got to capitalize on those. Look, I I think Injoku set up to have, and he's done it to the Steelers. I think a couple times. What you know, eight catches. 70, 80 yards and, you know, probably look to him in, 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 in the red zone and all like that. I'm okay with him having seven, eight catches for 50, 60, 70 yards. Keep, you know, as long, long as one of those don't come in the red zone or anything like that, uh, there, but, uh, you, you, much like the Packers, you know, Packers had eight explosive plays in that game. You know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of them were coverage issues and just miscommunication on Pittsburgh. So. Right. That that's one way that 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 you can die, die a slow death in this one for sure. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I know the Steelers, it's been it's, it's been a, uh, a sustainable, unsustainable. But how many games can you go where you give up eight explosive plays uh, and not get a, you know, a turnover or two and, and, and wind up winning the game? So stop the run, tackle the catch. Make him drive long fields and hope that that the young quarterback makes a mistake here. Well said, Dave. Or, or two. All right. The Browns defense, a much tougher nut to crack here. It's a great, I think, a really elite defense that's healthy overall. They're good at all three levels, whether you're talking about the D-line at Garrett and Smith and Tomlinson having a big impact against the run. GOK at off-ball linebacker, most athletic off-ball linebacker in football, likely. And then a really strong cornerback room, Ward and Newsom and Emerson. Uh, with some solid safety play as well, led by Grant Delpit. So trying to find the weakness in this defense is tough to do. Yeah, it is. And that's why I talked to Scott. I think if you're going to try, you're going to try to run in this, uh, run against this defense, uh, looking at the Steeter side of ball, I think where the success can be had is on the right side there. Uh, Broderick Jones is doing a good job of getting up uh, off the ball. uh, and, and out into space, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see, see the second level kind of work from the interior guys that you got to see, uh, against the Packers, because I think the, the, the Browns are much better up front interior and that, and I think their linebackers obviously are better as well too there. But uh, I think if you, I think you need to try to pound and, 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 and pull those guards and try to get the run game established to the right side of the Steelers offense. I think that's where you can make some hay that way. What, what really concerns me the most about this game from the Steelers offensively, and it's, it's not a surprise. It's, it's the third down uh, type situation uh, mm-hmm. here and throw out, you know, get past the not using the middle of the field stuff. Uh, look, Kenny Pickett, 
completion percentage-wise, has been very good on first down. Now, let's drill that down real quick. Why is that? Because he has the lowest, one of the lowest uh, uh, depth of target uh, stats in the league on first down. So, yeah, if you only if you only throw in the football five, six, six yards past the line of scrimmage, you would hope that you're completing a lot of those passes, right? So first down mm-hmm. completion percentage is 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 not bad at all for Kenny Pickett. Uh second down's not bad for Kenny Pickett uh overall. But once again, you're not pushing the football down the field a lot in those situations. What really sticks out like a sore thumb for Kenny Pickett is the third down uh uh, uh completion percentage for him overall. And especially when you get in third and five, uh, five or more uh, yard situations there. And even though I pointed out that stat to, to, to Scott of, about, you know, uh, the Browns in third and five to nine yards, they're still just slightly on, on the bad side of, of, of half and, you know, half point in the league. So it's not glaring overall, especially when, and look, that might be skewed. I didn't go, individually right. and look at some some big plays that maybe they've given up in some of those situations. Let me read these off to you, Alex. 71 completion percentage for Kenny Pickett on first down. Uh, 64. And when you look at this league wide, it's not like it's astronomically great, but it's, you know, it it it's not bad. But once again, I think if you drill down into the depth of target and all like that, you see probably why he's better in those areas. When you get 64% on second down, third down, 48.2%. That's that's near the bottom of the league, of quali- that, right at the bottom of the league when mm. you talk about qualified quarterbacks. When you look at third down in five or more, it dips down to 46.7% completion percentage there. So... Third downs are going to be huge. They're huge in any game, obviously. But if you want to talk about one area where this Steelers passing game needs to improve on in the second half of the season, and yeah, I I get the whole middle of the field stuff. I'm not holding my breath on a lot of that stuff there. But man, if Kenny Pickett could get 55 to 58% completion percentage, on third downs starting Sunday against the Browns. And not only that, those third downs convert that, that would be a huge step forward for Kenny Pickett in this passing game. And it's going to be tough to do against this Browns defense. It is overall the number one third down defense in football. I guess the question with Pickett is why does it dip so much? Is there a common theme? They're not, and I have to check the numbers, but they're not like in third and forever. They don't have the longest, you know, yards to go on third down. You know, one thing that sticks out with with that is his mm-hmm. average depth of target is is down the field a little ways uh, here. So, is in these situations, is he trying to work too far past the chains? It's hard to say. I'd have to do a deep study on that. He certainly is not afraid to take that deep shot. You know, there was a third and three play I think against the Packers on that first drive where he took that deep shot they got the the penalty on it but you know whenever he sees 1v1 on the outside a clean picture he's going to take that shot to Johnson or Pickens so I really don't know the answer to that other than obviously just has to improve yeah I mean that uh, 
that's what it boils down to. And look, I think he's had some, some obviously some pressure that that's impacted that. And look, Jim Schwartz don't feel it. Don't, don't feel sorry for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. Uh, if, 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 if they get Kenny in third, third and long situations, they're going to make him think whether it, whether it be, cause look, nothing has changed when you go and look at them defensively on film, uh, overall, uh, from the last time these two teams play, uh, they're going to move miles Garrett around. They're going to have those linebackers, uh, uh, mug the a gap. Sometimes they're going to come. Sometimes they're not. They're, I, I have a feeling you might see them come more in this game, to be honest with you at home, uh, try to make picket, get rid of that football and make, they, they want to sit back and make Kenny make some of the mistakes that the Steelers are hoping DTR is going to make, I think. I uh, think they're going to blitz, not going to necessarily just sit back and let him make the mistake. They're going to attack and try to create I, the mistake. I, I, I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you because they know more than ever this defense needs not just stops and mm-hmm. limit the number of points. They need, they need turnovers. They need they to need create plays. short fields for their offense. They need to, to limit possession. So they're, they're, again, it's like 2019 Pittsburgh defense, good defense, and those have to be even better. When without their um uh, starting quarterback, so yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive. They're going to pressure. They're going to they're going to put Delpit in the box. He lives in the box. That's why he leads the team in tackles. And both teams have the same game plan of stop the run, make the quarterback beat you, get pressure, take the football away. Whoever does that more effectively is going to likely be the victor of this game. So yeah, um, they got trust in their corners to play one v one on the outside. I think Pickett's going to take some shots on the outside. Hope his receivers can make some plays. It may come down to those downfield battles between. Newsom and Johnson and Ward and Pickens, et cetera, um, to see who who decides this one. I think what you're going to see from Schwartz in this one too, you, you, you obviously teams look at their tendencies and all like that. It's hard to kind of peg tendencies on this defense anyway, uh, as it is. I think Jim Schwartz is just going to throw the, the uh, uh, I think he's just going to spin the dial. I think he has that much trust in his defense where uh, every call is going to see be spin the wheel. What does it land on? That's what we're, that's, that, that's what we're going to go with down distance. Be damned. Uh, I think he, I don't think he wants, Ken, I, I, he, he's going to put Kenny Pickett in as many uncomfortable situations, guessing uh, versus what he has seen on tape in this game. I have a feeling. Sure. And that's why the run game is so critical. They call that a Rolodex defense, even though there's no such thing as a Rolodex anymore. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really think that you're going to see some unique uh, 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 pressures and sins and uh, a, a lot of different things in this game from this defense. Sure. They're going to bring the nickel from the field side. They're going to bring the safety from the boundary side. Uh, that's kind of their, their personality. They're a pretty heavy blitz team overall. But again, they know how Pittsburgh is one. They run for buck 66 against Tennessee, run for 205 against Green Bay. Their goal is to not let that become three games in a row and see what Pickett can do. Um, and again, I think it's going to be about Pickett taking those shots on the outside, third and five. It's whenever you see a lot of single high cover one predominantly from Cleveland. And so that's going to lend itself to the back shoulder throw and the deep ball and just trying to win one V one on the outside. If you're playing along in the home version of the terrible podcast, uh, on, on Sunday, uh, listeners, what, uh, grab you a pen and paper and, and, and focus in on third downs, uh, distance, uh, personnel groupings. And then where, where he's going, with the football in those situations, because I think third downs, if, 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 
Look, in the second half against the Packers, they weren't great other than that. We, we've highlighted that other than the Kenny Pickett scramble uh, there. How Kenny Pickett plays on third down and what he's able to get done on third downs in this game might might be the biggest talking point, I think, to come out of it. So, you know, try, try if you're at home, to try to pay close attention. You know, are they in a lot of third and long situations? Right. Where where are they going uh, in these third and long situations? Uh, look, and and I and I, you know, I, I even said of five or more yards, forty six point seven percent. You know, how many third and five and third and six situations mm-hmm. can the Steelers get in in this game? And what does Kenny Pickett do on those? I mean, it's a lot. It's gonna be it's gonna be super tough if you're third, seven, eight, nine, eleven uh, right. in this in this game as it is, but. Can the Steelers offense get these third and four, five, six, six situations? And what does Kenny, you know, can they convert on these? Because once again, I think overall moving into the second half of this season, how Kenny Pickett plays on third downs is going to be a huge factor in this, especially, you know, hopefully they get into playoffs and all like that. So Watch that, and I I wonder if we're talking a lot about Kenny Pickett and third down play on, on Monday, Alex. I agree, but to your point, the question is not just how does Kenny Pickett play on third downs, it's what third downs is Kenny Pickett playing in. Third and eight versus third and three is a world of difference against this Browns defense. When it's third and three, the ball comes out on time. It's more ryth- rhythmic passing game, more options, shorter drops. The Browns can't do their chaotic type looks quite as effectively or quite as confidently as they can on third and eight plus, so... You know, the, that, that question comes down to how well can you run the football? And failing that, can you scheme up, you know, boots in the flat that have been effective on opening scripts the last two weeks? And can you have more rhythmic passing game that gets you, you know, five yards on first and 10 to get you in a rhythm, keep you on schedule? So if the running game is faltering, can they adjust and can they find some quick pass game, maybe some RPOs that weren't quite there against Green Bay that were more prevalent against Tennessee? Some that's dependent on just how the defensive structure looks. So, the question is about how Kenny Pick plays on third down, but how what happens on first and second down to get into third down and what down and distance is that? It's going to determine a lot about how Pickett is going to play. Yeah, look, you've got to, and once again, you got to run. Uh, uh, this team's been running good the last couple of weeks. I think they can have some success to the right side of their offense there. But yeah, I mean, right, right down. It's going to be interesting to see. Are we talking about a lot of third and fours or third and third and five? You, know, you don't want to be in any third downs if you can help it. But, I mean, the, the, the ones that you get in this game, uh, what are they situationally? And how is he doing in those more manageable situations? Because, look, he's not going to want to hold the football very long in any situation in this game, uh, uh, the way that defense is playing. And Swartz mm-hmm. is probably not going to let him hold it in any right. situation uh, overall. So, Man, be great to work the middle of the field of some of these uh, of, of this quick game. You know, um, yeah. we know he's going to throw to the outside anyway with some of these back shoulders and 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 comebacks and curls like that. They're going to need their yak to be very very good in this game because of a lot of the short passing game. Uh, he needs to discover that he can check check this ball down more often to guys like Warren. Uh, and I'll, and look, you know, you, you're hopefully going to have Pat Frymuth back in this game too. So is that, uh, 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 how, how can Pat Frymuth play into this third down situation? Yeah, potentially. I mean, JOK is going to be a tough matchup if they're going to run a lot of single high and middle of the field closed, it may be tougher, but not impossible. You know, how does Frymuth block? Yeah, that, that's a big issue. Talk about right. run game. You know, how do you 
scheme that up. He's had issues this year. I mean, they've been doing it with kind of a lot of Connor Hayward too. So there's ways to mask that, but you know, you need that guy to be a, a key part of your run game or trying to find ways to hide and minimize the limitations he has as a run blocker. Do you see more Donald Washington in this game? Do you see maybe a six offensive lineman in this game? Do you do some things like that? We'll have to see. I think if you're Cleveland, you know, you're going to run your personality, but if, a lot of zone blitzes, I think would work well against Kenny Pickett. I think right. he just does not see zone as cleanly as he does man. That's why he likes the one B one shots to the outside. It's a cleaner picture, easier read, just go out there and make the throw. So the zone blitzes to really confuse. It was that, it was that uh, interception in that, that week two game where that safety kind of dropped off, let the other guy go inside to pick off Pickett earlier in that one, just Pickett never saw it. And so you got to really try to mess with his eyes. And I think zone coverage will present that opportunity. And then obviously you can't let have miles miles Garrett have a miles Garrett game. Now he, yeah. he did well in the win uh, component uh, of it, individual win component of it. The last time these two teams met, but he didn't show up on in, 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 in the big plays and all. So look, he's, he's going to have a nice win percentage probably again uh, in this game. But you just can't let him make those those game wrecking plays that TJ Watt makes, you know? Right. And to Pittsburgh's credit, they do a really good job schematically and conceptually of not letting those star defensive players write the headlines. They make plays and they get theirs, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, et cetera, but they don't change the course of the game. They don't become the reason why the game is lost on Pittsburgh's end. Now, I know some people will say, well, Dan Moore does a great job against Miles Garrett. He doesn't. He really struggles, but understandably so. It's Miles Garrett, but schematically they pair whenever he's on the field uh, on the occasion where it's 1v1, Moore versus Garrett, that ball's coming out quick. That is the design. And talk about uh, the touchdown to George Pickens that came with Garrett off the field. There was more time to let that route develop. And so I think Pittsburgh's able to pair their protection and their calls and the quarterback drop with what they're doing with Garrett so he can win the, and beat the block, but not ultimately get to the quarterback. And they do that really well, and that'll be required again on Sunday. You know, I would like to see this offense come out and kind of attack the way they did. Uh, what game was it? The Jaguars? Uh, you know, if, if they get the right look and, 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 and you know, unfortunately didn't connect with Deontay early on that. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to, to sending some sort of message early in this game that, that, you know, we're not afraid to take shots down the field. And even though we're probably not going to throw to the middle of the field a lot this game, we're going to open up, making you at least consider it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Fryermuth maybe down the seam or something or, you know, a, a repeat of kind of, you know, one of those uh, uh, divide concepts or something. If you get the right look, you know, try to put somebody in a conflict where you can get one, you know, uh, 18 yards past the line of scrimmage in the air down the middle of the field, something like that. Uh, I don't want them to just. I don't. I don't want the Browns' defense to come out and say, uh, "Look, they, they're going to be conservative again. They're not going to. They're not going to take the handcuffs off off Kenny much of any unless they get this game to the fourth quarter or anything like that. We're just going to. We got to make sure that we don't let Najee and 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 Jalen Warren run for a buck fifty or more against us. We're going to. You know, if they want to come out and stack the box early, throw on them early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this game comes down to what play. Who makes the play on offense? Like we know this game's going to be defensively driven, but somebody's going to have to make a play on offense at some point, whether that's just a play to in your four minute offense to seal the game on third down or get you in field goal range or that one chunk play the way the Pittsburgh got one chunk play on that pick in 71 yard touchdown in week two. And that's probably going to be, you know, whether it's Pickett 
winning on the outside against a cover one look and throwing deep to Johnson or Pickens or whether it's the Browns and Thompson Robinson off a of play action hitting Cooper deep. Like who's going to make that vertical play on the outside? I think determines who actually wins this game. Yeah, feels like you might need a 50 yarder in this game. Yeah, because neither offense is going to go like 12 plays crisp efficient, you know, just not against these defenses, not with the way their offenses are built and what they're dealing with. Like it, it's going to come down to who gets a chunk. What, what's the old Mike Tomlin phrase from last year? Chunk plays solve a lot of game planning or, right. you know, whatever, whatever the, the quote there is. And so that's how this one's going to go offensively. And look, you know, for the first time since uh, the uh Second play of the second half against the 49ers, you're going to have a uh, full, you know, you're going to have your offense out there. Yeah, I'm going to put together the stat, assuming that Frymuth does does get activated. It's probably been what? How many snaps have Johnson and Pickens and Frymuth all been on the field together this year? 20, 23, 24. Did you look that up or you just kind of? No, I'm, I'm just guessing here. Yeah, I mean, it sounds right. Yeah, it, it's it's not many. And so to have that is going to be a benefit. There's no question about that. Let's see how, how because uh, Uncle Dave's starting to lose it in some 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 facets. Uh, here. Not this one. I think when it comes to uh, obscure snap count numbers, I think you probably still got your fastball. Uh, let's see. How many plays did they play in the first half against the 49ers? It was... 27 total plays from the offense you're saying right okay now we how don't many, know if they were all together right uh you have to imagine three or four of them they were off mm-hmm. not not all on the field right. uh and Deontay left uh and that first drive I believe in the second half it was the say. early third quarter yeah, early third quarter. Let me find out specifically. It was the first. It was the first play of the third quarter mm. yeah. on offense. Right, right. I don't know if Frymuth and Pickens were on the field together. Maybe they were, but either way, we're talking at most, you know, twenty five, twenty six snaps together. Right. So, yeah, that'll that'll be you know. Hopefully, Frymuth comes back. It sounds like he will. Um, I, I I don't know how involved he'll be, but maybe if he just makes that one crucial catch on third down late in game, or that touchdown in the red zone, does have two touchdowns on eight grabs this year, that can be the difference. It's got me thinking to to kind of uh, keep keep talking here. And then special teams. I mean, that's going to be important. Boswell might be your best offensive weapon in this game, and Harvard might not be too far behind in terms of field position. A very kind of uh, feel like against Tennessee where you're facing a young rookie, rookie quarterback. Can you win field position and kind of have that battle won? And that's going to be really important. So those things are obviously going to be, I think, critical as well in this game. Yeah. I'm trying to sort this to see, let's see Deontay and Firemuth. Uh, let's see. There's eight plays. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and count it up, but it, it, it it's, it's right around 25 plays. Those, those yeah. uh, everybody was on the field together. Yeah. So any other thoughts here, any other keys or, Coaching points, talking points for this one, Dave. Man, don't turn another game of no turnovers for the Steelers would 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 play out huge in this. Look, I don't think you're going to see a weird talk stat win in this one. I, I don't know. I've been wrong before uh, <laughs> several times this year. And that's that that talk stat is taken a beating this year because of the Steelers. Mm-hmm. But if you're plus two in the talk talk stat turnovers and explosive play in this game. You should win this game. Uh, if it's an even 
Hawks game, my 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 money would be on the Steelers to 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 win this because of fourth quarter Kenny, I think, can make a difference. But if you lose this Tox game by one or two, uh if you're the Steelers, I think you lose the game. Yeah, and both teams take away the football. Pittsburgh has 18, Cleveland has 15. The difference is the Browns have turned the ball over 19 times this season. That's the most in football, and Pittsburgh takes care of the ball about as well as any unit in in the NFL. And so that may be maybe the difference in this one, just based on what the trends are coming into this game. A lot of punts in this one. Yep, a lot of punts. All right, Dave. I think we covered this game pretty well. Uh, before we make our picks for the Steelers-Browns game this Sunday, and before we make our picks for the rest of week number 11, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. And I think I am, what, 1-0 and on the yep. week? And I think you're taking – but, of course, who could predict the Burrow situation? That's uh, that threw a curveball and everything on Thursday night. All right, NFL Week 11. Alex, if you found a $100 bill on the ground, and you you definitely wouldn't walk past it. So why are you passing up on cashing winners every weekend? My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere, so you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your own wallet. Bet on the NFL, NHL, NHL, uh, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the week weekly blackjack tournaments that they have online. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is right now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie, use our promo code TERRIBLE, and claim your deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code TERRIBLE to claim your bonus. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your own home. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie and to get there, MyBookie.ag. And please use promo code TERRIBLE. All right, Dave, let's make our picks for week number 11. All right, and once again, I enter the weekend 0-1. You enter the weekend 1-0. The line last night was 3.5. Ravens, the Ravens covered that. Arizona Cardinals on the road against the Houston Texans. Houston at home laying five points. Yeah, I'm all all in on Houston, Dave. Give me the Texans. I will take the Texans as well to cover that five. The Las Vegas Raiders playing well. Last winners of last two got a tough test. Got to go on the road play the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins thirteen and a half point favorites at home against mm. the Raiders. Big line. Credit to the Raiders. We love seeing Bob Spillane have his uh, his success out there. Defensive but I- player of the week in the AFC. Yeah. It's good to be Bob Spillane right now, but I think they come back down to earth just enough in this game. I'll go Miami. Uh, they'll, they'll play them tough enough to cover that. Uh, Dolphins win, but give me those 13 and a half points. Tennessee on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Tennessee really out, out of it now. Uh, Jaguars not playing great as of late, though. Jaguars, uh, since, since they messed with that terrible towel, right? Sure. Uh, Jaguars laying seven at home against Tennessee. I'll say Jacksonville bounces back in wins, but AFC South game going to be close. Titans cover. I'll take Jacksonville to blow them out. Uh, I'll lay the seven points. New York Giants on the road against the Washington Commanders. Washington laying nine at home against the Giants. Game I know you'll be tuned into watching there, Dave. Um, Give me the Commanders. I'll take the Giants plus the nine. I I think Washington wins. I'll take the Giants to cover. Carolina at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Another big line on the road. The Cowboys favored by 10 and a half. 
Yeah, I got to go Dallas in this one. I'll go Dallas as well on the road to cover that 10 and a half. Detroit Lions at home playing the Bears. Uh, seven and a half point favorite the Lions are. Yeah, can what Fields, I believe, is coming back. Give me, give me Detroit, though. This feels like a... This feels like they're trying to set us up here for a touchdown game here. I'll go with the Lions late of seven and a half points here. Green Bay at home against the Chargers. Chargers on the road laying three points. The Chargers just on the road. They're hard to you know, predict. Yeah, they're just a team that's frustrating. I'll I'll take the Packers somehow, some way. I'll go Green Bay. I'll take the Chargers later three points on the road in this one. 49ers at home against the Buccaneers. 49ers back on track now, laying 11 and a half points. Yeah, give me San Fran in that one, Dave. I'll take San Francisco late 11 and a half as well, too. Rams at home playing the Seahawks. Seahawks are road favorites by a point in this one. Against the Rams, you said? Yeah, against the Rams. Rams at home getting a point. Yeah, Stafford back. At least he should be back. I'll take the, I'll take the Rams. I'll take the Rams. I think they'll upset them. Uh, went out right. I'll take the point. Buffalo Bills, uh, new offensive coordinator, uh, fired Ken Dorsey. They host the Jets this week. Buffalo's favored by seven points. Yeah, Buffalo's one of those teams that has talent. They just look, they're the anti Steelers where there's talent, but they just beat themselves with the turnovers and those kind of mistakes. Um, in such Jets defense, they can create plays. I'll see the Jets cover. I think Bills win, but Jets cover. I think the Bills get it straightened out and win by, I don't know, nine or ten in this one. I'll lay the seven points with the Bills this one. Uh, Broncos on the road against the uh, Minnesota Vikings and Joshua Dobbs. I bet against Dobbs last week he got me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Broncos, even so, favored by two and a half at home against the Vikings. I'm not betting it against Dobbs. I'm I'll not take, betting against Dobbs either. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to root for him too. Yeah. So uh, uh, I like the Vikings in an upset. Give me those two and a half points there. Chiefs, this one will be a good one. Chiefs at mm-hmm. home against the Eagles. Rematch of the Super Bowl. Chiefs favored by two and a half points at home against the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. Yeah, that's going to be the marquee matchup for sure. This one, really tough. Chiefs at home, though. I got to go Kansas City. Man, at Kansas City defense, if the offense can start playing playing up to up up to their standards, they shouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't think of this one. Give me the Chiefs to win by a field goal. I'll lay the two and a half points there. Uh, that brings us all the way back to make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, the Browns hosting the Steelers on Sunday. Boy, the line went crazy this week, uh, as expected because of all the quarterback news here. Even so, right now my bookie has. The Browns favored by a point and a half at home against the Steelers. Call this are you, are the you lim- scared? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan. I'm per- perpetually scared of everything that Pittsburgh does every game in which they play. Uh, call this the Limbo Bowl. How low can you go? Is going to be, I think, the uh, viewpoint for the scoring in this one. I wish Pittsburgh had a more veteran secondary to kind of mess with a rookie quarterback. I think you can't do some of your post snap rotations and some of your maybe more creative, chaotic looking. Uh, coverages when you have, you know, Trenton Thompson back there as opposed to if you had even Keanu Neal, but definitely Mika Fitzpatrick. All that to say, though, these close games, AFC North, Pittsburgh, just a bit more stability overall, especially offensively. I think gonna, the run defense has improved greatly with Kim Hayward back. Kicker, kicker, I trust a bit more. 
I'm going to go Pittsburgh 16 to 14 for the Browns in this one. <laughs> you rat. Uh, <laughs> Is that I where th- you're going? I, I, no, I thought for I thought for sure you're going to go. Uh, I thought you're going to pick the Browns in this one. Mm. Uh, but uh, we have a, we have a very similar score in this one. Look, full full disclosure here. Uh, if at the start of the week uh, I had this written down as a Browns win with 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 Watson, mm-hmm. uh, I did. But uh, you know, obviously a lot's changed uh, since then. Uh, in what I think is going to be an ugly game. Uh, I think the Steelers are just a little bit better overall, uh, in, in this one. I think a, a turnover plays huge, uh, in this one. I don't see a lot of scoring in this one. I don't have a lot of confidence in this one. All, all said and done. I have this being a weird score, 16, 15, uh, I, the Browns get to 15 because of a two point, uh, so some maybe a couple of two point conversions in this game. A weird score here. Uh, take the under thirty three. That's already a that, that's that's a low number anyway. I had the Steelers squeaking this out uh, uh, somehow, some way. Uh, Sixteen to fifteen. So I will take the point and a half there. Once again, my confidence level's not on this, but I mean it's a rookie quarterback on the other side. What's Mike Tomlin like? What was it? Twenty. Four, Four and five, five I think. against rookie quarterbacks here. Uh, DTR has made some mistakes. I think you can force mm-hmm. him in a couple more mistakes. Just tell Kenny not to, uh, not to, not not to throw in. The, you know, protect the football in this one. If they don't turn the football over, they should win this game. Period. Uh, Sixteen, fifteen, Steelers. And I just think overall, the Browns have turned the ball over a ton this year offensively. Pittsburgh has not. And that might be the difference in this one for two teams who are otherwise, I think, pretty similarly built and constructed and trying to win the same ways. But the difference between the way that the Browns have given away the football the most this year of any any team, Pittsburgh among the least in football, that may prove to be the difference. All right, let's get to a couple of emails before we get out of here. All right, let's get to some emos and close out today's show. Uh, Bryce, we've mentioned the effectiveness of sim pressure on defense, but what, in your opinion, is the best way for an offense to counter and beat sim pressure? It's a great question. I've thought about it myself. I don't have a good answer to it because you just it, it it there's so much chaos. You don't know who's coming, who's dropping, how to protect. Um, I, I don't have some, a great answer. Well, hey, anything you could do pre-step to maybe try to tip them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to see uh, if if they're if they're dropping out or not. I know who was it the other day that was talking about if 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 a team lines them up more in the B gap, if they hedge towards the B gap. Uh, I don't know. You just tape study and trying to get them mm-hmm. to, to to tip it as much as possible. Uh, there. Look, I I don't. I think once again, I think Jim Schwartz gonna doesn't care. Uh, I think all I. I wouldn't be surprised if he sends those Sims more in this game. Yeah, I, I think in terms of trying to answer that question, it's difficult. But a, you have to know where your heart reads at. So if they're, right. if they are coming and you don't have it picked up properly, you have to know where that ball is going to go. So I think identifying the best you can, what the coverage is going to be, you know, generally can kind of get a better feel for man or zone against those sim looks. And typically, it's a lot more man coverage than it, than it is zone. 
Um, but knowing where you're hot is kind of the number one thing you have to do against those looks. All right, let me jump through a couple more here. He had another part of that, but I want to get to as many people as we can here. Mark Miller, good morning. I wanted your opinions on on which team's injury situation is worse for this weekend and the season moving forward. He says, I'm very concerned about missing both inside linebackers and safeties along with uh, Adams this weekend leaves the middle of the defense weak versus the Brown. My concern is uh, this trumps the loss of Deshaun Watson, who I think was playing very well. Any who, who I didn't think was playing very well. Anyway, he says Robertson Robinson are run stuffers, but in can exploit the middle of the field. And those are easy throws for DTR plus DTR can run it as well. We aren't great versus the Browns running game when healthy. And it seems like Minka had a lot of tackles in the first game versus a run, which now someone else will have to fill. He says the Browns have a much easier back half of the schedule. And something tells me they know a win versus the Steers locks them into the playoffs and keeps division hopes alive. Of course, the, the same can be said for the Steers. So basically he wants to know, uh, which team's injury situation is worse this weekend and season moving forward? I think it starts and stops at the quarterback position. You know, I mm-hmm. and, and I, I get what he's saying, and he mentions Adams in here. Look, the hope is that even in, when when Montrevious Adams gets healthy from this ankle injury, you don't have to see him on the field as much. So, you know, the time is now uh, uh, for, for 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 Keanu Benton. So. I, I am more concerned, obviously, about Minka, but if I was given a choice right now at this moment, all right, you're not going to have Minka in this game versus the Browns, but I guarantee you have him for, I will guarantee you you'll have a 90% or or, 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 or better uh, player for Minka against the, against the Bengals. Give, give me him versus the Bengals, you know? Right. Right. Uh, because um, of the quarterback situation and all. So I I think, Mark, I think it starts and stops at the quarterback position for, for, for the Browns. Sure. I mean, I mean, I made the point, I think, that we have to probably take into consideration the weight of the defensive injuries for Pittsburgh more than maybe I think the fan base in totality is. Just, just stacking on top of each other, safeties and linebackers and communication hubs missing but still, to go from not just losing Watson, but to go from him to a rookie that's a total unknown, you know, in this very competitive AFC, AFC North is just just a killer. And, and yeah, Watson had struggled overall, but as Scott had said, he was playing better lately. His last three full games have been more impressive. He went 14 for 14 with a broken shoulder and a high ankle sprain against Baltimore to come back and rally and beat them. So he was kind of, they finally were finding some traction, finally seeing what Watson could be, what they hoped he would be. And now he's out for the season. So where he was at and where he was headed makes this injury all the more painful. Now, look, could we very easily be talking about the Steelers inside linebackers in a negative way after this game? We hope not. But, you know, communication and all like that, you know, but I I think it starts and stops at the quarterback position for the Browns, to be honest with you. Agreed. Justin writes in, uh, I'm going to read this email backwards. Well, not not literally, but I'm going to start at the end Mm -hmm. of it with, with, with the P.S., when does Alex plan to donate his rotator cuff to Danny Smith? Ah, look, I, I, got, it, I got the saw right now. Whenever you say the word, Danny, I'll cut yeah. it off. Look, uh, uh, I would, uh, uh, for, for Minka, I'd, I'd gladly, you know, I don't know what, what used a couple of 55 year old hamstrings. <laughs> I think he'll take them back. He'll, he'll return those hamstrings. Of your yeah. Speech. Yeah. I, I don't think you want to actively purchase such. But uh, look, if if Danny needed that rotator cuff, I think I think Alex would be the first first in line uh, there, Justin. Now for the rest of the email, 
I'm going to throw on my tinfoil hat real quick and say that Andy Weidel called in a favor with the Eagles to ask them to release Miles Jack off the reserve retired list yesterday. That was weird because the other guy that they that they released from the reserve retired list had been on there since like 90-something, hadn't he? I'm not did, even aware of all those things happening. No, I'm not aware of any of that. Yeah. Uh, he wants to know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there's any cap or cash benefit in releasing him off the reserve retired list. So why else would they release him? So Justin has his tinfoil hat on with Miles Jack. Uh, could Miles Jack have gone to the team and said, look, I'm thinking about playing again. The Steelers have called. Would, would you do me a solid? I think I got like two more emails in here asking about Miles Jack. The question is, is what do you get with Miles Jack at this point? Mm-hmm. I, you know, look, I, I, I love a good tinfoil hat uh, <laughs> uh, question. And, you know, the whole Andy Weidel link and, and yeah, and excuse me, uh, I get where these are coming from. So I'm not going to sit here and say unequivocally, no, are you crazy? What you got that thing buckled too tight, but what are you really getting in Miles Jack right now? Yeah, for a guy that hasn't played a down of football in 11 months, essentially, he's been on the couch, retired, moving on with life's work, and his body was breaking down. The dude couldn't run last year. Now, if he's healthy, he might be a bit of a different story. But, I mean, obviously, he's not helping this week, and so anything we'll talk about next week, we can talk about next week. Um, I, I imagine players come off a reserve retired at some point. They're not on there infinitely, so at some point they get removed. Why that is and how that works, I, I'm not clear of, of the rules there, so... I guess we'll find out. It is a little bit curious that he's all. Of but a they sudden, released somebody else too. You said at yeah, the same but, time. But a guy from like who was uh, I, it's killing me now. You said from the nine from their ninety man offseason roster. No, no, from like the nineteen nineties. Yeah, he was uh, on their reserve retired list for like twenty plus years. Yeah, who the heck was that? That, that uh, these lists exist for but, so long. Bernard Williams. Uh Bernard Williams hasn't played since 1994. How did how is he still on their their list? Cuz you cuz uh oh, he was on the uh, reserves was it suspended He got suspended. List? Yeah, he got suspended and never reinstated. Yeah, reserve he was uh released from the reserve res- suspended list. Well, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there uh, i don't know why why that is he had tried to apply for reinstatement in spring of 96 uh uh still hadn't got a uh, blah, 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 for marijuana uh still was under contract to the eagles when he was suspended in 95 they still own own his nfl rights though it remains to be seen how much interest they would have in him if he does get reinstated uh yeah he, he, a weird move and 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 anyway i you know miles jack was part of that transaction coming off the mm-hmm. reserve, reserve retired i don't want to spend a lot of time on it but i i understand why we have like two or three questions in here yeah i mean I, we'll find out by like next monday or tuesday if this was the reason he'd be coming in for a workout presumably or a visit or something right after the the browns game so we'll find out 
right. Uh, I'll hit one last one here from Zach. Uh, Zach Watt says, longtime listener, first time writer. I've listened every week for years and can't thank you enough for what you do. This isn't criticism of Dave's analysis. We're just looking for insight after he brought up the concern with Kenny's overall completion percentage. He says, I'm not a Kenny apologist and do my best to uh, to mirror the show's objectivity and evaluating him. I had some downtime, pulled some quick stats from PFF just out of curiosity. I compared Kenny's completion percentage with some starting quarterbacks of Steelers past highlighted below. Anyway, he's got uh, Ben's uh, passing attempts and, and completions and, and overall completion percentage at 64.4% has Kenny's overall, I guess, career attempts and completion percentage at 62.3%. The TD interception ratio is obviously concerning, but if he doesn't throw a pick on Sunday, I believe Yin said he ties a franchise record. How many, how many attempts does he have to go for the franchise record for longest streak without a, did you write that up? I, I don't know that what I framed it as most consecutive games without an interception, minimum 15 attempts in a game. If he does, if he goes another game against Cleveland, he'll be uh, the second quarterback to go six straight with Bubby Brister. I don't know what the actual record is for consecutive attempts, though. I All right, to uh, that up. And he's also got here, you know, some of the other quarterbacks here uh, uh, and all like that completion percentage. All right. Let's let's look at uh, average depth of target. You know, I think that's that's something that really, really needs to be looked at here. If you're if you want to play the game of just looking at com- total completion percentage of of you got Ben down here at sixty four point four and 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 Pickett at sixty two point three. That you know, if you if you dig deeper in in into this, especially if you're talking about you know career for Roethlisberger, uh, for Roethlisberger to put up the numbers that he did. Based on what what his average depth does does Pro Football uh, Reference uh, pull this up real quick, Alex? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is Ben's career? And they probably don't because it goes back so far. But what right. what average depth of target do they have Ben as? I can try to look and just our our second here. It might take some more time for me to dive into that than what we probably have here. Um, Average depth of target. Yeah, it would take some time. He's he's pulling Ben's career completion percentage. Uh, he's got four. eight yeah. eight thousand something. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I see it now. Uh I mean it's still lower, obviously. It's and and again, I think completion percentage the the most salient point is it's about eras and where you're at. You know, when Ben played in an earlier era, completion right. percentages were down. Just in the, as, as an example, I believe in 2023. The league-wide completion percentage is 65%. And it's been some bad quarterback play this year, probably pulling that number down. In 2005, Ben's second year, it was 59.5%. So you're seeing a five-point bump over that span. Now, I'm talking about Ben's entire career, which spans different eras. But um, again, Pickett's is, is worse by not a small margin and in an era where completion percentages are, are as high as they've ever been. So I think you look at the era more so than uh, you know past quarterbacks. And look, you know, I, I think overall average depth of target uh, uh, plays a factor in this uh, percentage of deep shots, yada yada. And also, look, if you drill it down the drill, drill it down the third down. Yeah, so I think there's probably some more than just looking at that one basic baseline number. Right. Uh, I understand the way he's trying to frame it. Look, I, I said this at the top of the show. Uh, if you know. Middle of the field stuff aside, all that yada yada, the, the pushing the football down the field a little bit further aside. Man, if Kenny starts 
if, if Kenny can get his completion, per, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be more, more distinct. If Kenny Pickett can increase his completion percentage on third down specifically, that will really make a big, big deal. I think in this passing game. Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. Let me try to, I don't think I can get you the a dot, but I can at least get you intended air yards per attempt, which is probably the closest I can do. If you just give me one more second to try to look some of these up. Um, right. I don't know what I have no idea what the results would be. Maybe they'd be similar. Maybe they wouldn't be. Uh, let's see if I can find because it. Because I either. even I, while you looked at that, I mean, I looked yesterday and 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 uh, just on his third third down uh, uh, or just his overall uh, completion percentage on each down uh, on first down, he's got a very low average depth of target number. You know, one, one mm-hmm. of lower in the league. Second down, uh, uh, generally the same there. Now third down it. His, his average depth of target is kind of an eyebrow raise. I think it was something like nine or 10 yards or something like that, you know, uh, but it's not like the Steelers are facing a lot of third nine or 10 or, you know, type situations there. So, right. you know, makes you kind of wonder, is he trying to push and look, you get on a quarterback too. They're not throwing for the chains enough, you know, uh, is he not doing, is he trying to throw past the chains too much? It's something that we would have to drill down. I'm not, I'm not just going to use that as a blanket, statement and a hill to die on there but it's it, it's the thing once we get out of the season there'll be certain certainly something we want to dig deeper on mm-hmm. yeah um and i guess intended air yards per press attempt is essentially average depth of target from what i'm reading off of pfr here now they only have it back to 2018 like if you go back before the numbers are, are incomplete but from 20 for ben 2018 to 2021 he was at 7.2 pick hit was at 7.3 currently but of course, we're talking later year, Ben, where the short game became the only game right. primarily. So it's hard to compare that. And Ben's completion percentage from 2018 to 2021 was 65.4. Pickett's at 62.3. That's a three-point swing. Yeah, look, I I don't think that you can just look at the raw stats here once again. I I, I think a lot of I think error has a a, a play in this, and and also I, I think depth of target has a little say in this. And then look at the two quarterbacks on third down. Right, right. So hard to compare that overall. But I think a big focus not only this week but moving into the second half of the season. We talked about this when we broke down Kenny the other day and all like that. Man, if he can make some strides on third downs, uh, and, and once again, you go back to the second half of that game against the Packers. Now, look, I, I realized one of those was called back on the Yankee concept on 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 uh, offensive pass interference, and you're going to have a few of those here and there, uh, outliers and all like that. How can he play on third down moving forward? And if he still plays the same type of game on first and second down, if he can make those strides on third down and get that completion percentage you know, up over 50, it might make a huge difference in this offense. At least in this game, for sure. At least in this game, for sure. So play the play the home version of, of Kenny on third down uh, uh, Sunday night. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure to recap that during the Monday show. Anything else? No, that should cover it. Long show today, but a lot of good information and a critical game on Sunday. So win, lose, or draw, which is possible when it comes to the Steelers. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> to cover things on Monday for you guys. All right, we sure will. Shout out to Scott Petrack again. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and and, and shout him out if you get a chance to do so. So uh, and, until Monday, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteelersDepot.com, hit the 
donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, uh, steedersdepot.com, find the ad-free button uh, on mobile or on desktop version and go that route there. So, uh, Alex, I enjoyed it. Uh, we'll get back after it on Monday. As always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.